on top of Willie or a Sam. No, Sam. I'm a eighth old man, I'm Henry. Henry the eighth I am. Well, now that we're all done with that, why don't we get right into Christian heresies? Part two. It's been a long wait, but it's just because of the thorough research Layton has done. <laughs> Kiss my ass. I was done with the research at part one. This is all because of you and your whininess. Well, let's finish uh, the my research. Uh, we got one more heresy to cover for me, and then we're doing whatever you've got done. Uh, mostly just masturbating in the corner. So, pretty much the same, as always. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, our fans are used to it. Why would I change now? Separationist heresy is, uh, you know, we went over the docetic heresy, which is that uh, Jesus was fully divine and only appeared to be human. And we went over the adoptionist heresy, which is uh, Jesus was fully human, but uh, God adopted him as his son, his baptism. Yeah, that that one's one of my favorites, just jackassery. The uh, separationist heresy kind of combines those two. They think that Jesus was fully human, but the Spirit of Christ, who is completely separate from the human Jesus, entered into Jesus at his baptism and left him at the crucifixion. <laughs> now, see, that's, that's something I love. So here's Jesus trying to follow the, the good law of uh, the Judaic uh, people, getting baptized, and suddenly the Spirit just enters into him, unbeknownst to him. Well, you know, Christ sticks around uh, for all the cool miracles. He walks on water, turns water into wine, raises the dead, casts out demons into pigs. And then, at the first hint of danger, they're nailing Jesus to the cross. Christ is like, I'm outie. <laughs> and so this entire time, Christ is sitting there saying, fuck you, you Judeo people. You are not doing what I think you should do, so fuck you, pissing everybody off, raising the dead, pissing off all the hierarchies. And then as soon as the uh, trouble actually comes, he's like, eh, I got another place to be. Yeah. He overturns, you know, the tables in the temple, causes a massive ruckus, and then takes off and allows Jesus to get crucified. Beautiful. <laughs> you know, uh, that sounds like the Old Testament God to me. I think these guys are right. <laughs> the uh, group that most commonly advocated this heresy was the Gnostics. We really haven't gone a lot into the Gnostics before. No, no. We, we've talked several times about doing an entire podcast on them. But we'd have to get off our lazy asses to do so, and we all know we're out of tight children at the moment. Gnostic, I'm just going to cover them briefly. Gnostic comes from Gnosis, which, as everyone knows by now, means... Knowledge? Are, yes, are you good. you're really holding out? You say that every time you talk about Gnosticism. So you should be able to have jumped right in there and got it without the big pause. I wasn't expecting you to pause. I didn't think you thought anybody was that stupid, but apparently you do think I'm that dumb. Yeah, well, you showed me. <laughs> yeah, I showed you that no bar is too low for me. So, <laughs> they they don't really care that Jesus uh, got crucified or suffered or anything like that. Um, for the Gnostics, he uh, brought this special knowledge from the cosmic realm, so... The, the Gnostics were kind of difficult to pin down. They were uh, quite a heterogeneous group. Some of them believed in two gods, five gods, six gods, 12 gods. Some of them believed in 365 gods. 
regardless, there's this cosmic realm that the gods lived in. And there was this massive disaster. And one of the divine beings fell, or maybe she was cast out of the divine realm. She was imprisoned here by an evil deity who took her essence and kind of shattered it into these tiny little shards or sparks and trapped it inside of humans. So uh, to return to the divine realm, these humans got to find out uh, this, this special knowledge of, of who they are and how they got there and how to get back. Uh, and Jesus actually was just one of the gods who took pity on the humans and came here uh, to uh, essentially tell us how to get back to the divine realm. And, and looking the, for his favorite shard, I'm sure. This, uh, this knowledge is secret, obviously. And one of the difficult parts about stamping out the Gnostic heresy is, you know, you got the Docetists, uh, the Marcionites, who form their own church and have their own little lectures and... Uh, they're easy to kind of separate from the rest of them. The, the Ebionites had their own little communities. Gnostics would just join regular churches. They'd just sit there and kind of nod and say, yep, you guys are learning about the exoteric doctrine, the, the, all the easy stuff, but I know the, the code behind that. You remember that one lecture we were talking about, exoteric and esoteric doctrines? Yeah, yeah, basically. But see, I mean, and, and this is something I don't understand about the Gnostics. They're sitting there talking about seeking the true knowledge and yet they they can't separate that Jesus was being a dick by leaving uh, or Christ was being a dick by leaving Jesus on the cross there I mean that's something I just it boggles my mind that they couldn't put two and two together while looking for the true light and knowledge that is in their shard maybe if they shook their shard hard enough maybe Jesus wasn't uh, maybe Jesus didn't have a divine spark in him <laughs> well, maybe one of them should have climbed up in the cross and given Jesus their divine spark. Uh, instead of vinegar and gall? That might have been nice. <laughs> well, uh, Jesus had already been penetrated by several other things, so why not a divine spark? <laughs> so, uh, the Gnostics were among the most hated group, I think, for precisely this reason. They were the hardest to stamp out. The only reason we know, really, about what the Gnostics... But prior to 1947, I think, when yeah, we found the Nagamati. Yeah. Prior to that, uh, all we had were the uh, Church Fathers kind of uh, caricatures of the Gnostics. And so we kind of knew briefly what they knew, but we only, we only knew what they said from their enemies, and that's never a reliable source. So it wasn't until 1947 when these wandering Bedouins kind of uh, found this buried jar. <laughs> and, they... and the dicks they are... Well, can't first, figure out if there's a gin inside of it, and it'll attack them. But hey, first about, they thought we better not open this because there might be a genie inside, and you know genies are bad. Uh, but the other guy said, "Well, there might be gold inside," and so smash. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, religion loses out to money. To common sense. Uh, but they were disappointed because they were just a bunch of old books, which. Like I said, you know, her one of their mothers promptly burned one of the books to start a fire. Oh God! It's uh, stuff like that pisses me off. It's it it makes me think of the Library of Alexandria going up in flames too. I I hate hearing about that stuff. Anyway, they found the uh, the Coptic Gospel of Thomas inside this uh, kind of Gnostic uh, cache of documents, and the first word, the first sentence, is. These are the secret sayings that the living Jesus spoke and Didymus Judas Thomas recorded. And he said, 
Whoever discovers the interpretation of these sayings will not taste death. So apparently none of the Gnostics actually found the secret interpretations because they all died. <laughs> well, weren't you telling me about that one cult that believes if they just deny death for so long that it'll never happen and their funerals are like the least attended funerals ever? I don't think that was me. <laughs> Who was that? Uh, anyway. I think that was someone, uh, one of our guests. Uh, fuck it, whatever. Go on. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, clearly the, this heresy is going back and forth. They're trying to stamp it out. So the question is, was there any, were there any changes in the text? Uh, and the answer is, of course, there was. <laughs> there, <laughs> this one, surprise. one of them was only an attempted change. Um, the Gnostics thought they knew the true meaning of, of Mark 15.34. They love Mark, by the way, because in Mark he spoke in parables, right? Uh, so that the um, spiritually unenlightened would get the surface meaning of the parable, but they knew the deeper meaning. Yeah, yeah, sounds familiar. Uh, sounds like something I've heard since I was a boy. Right, yeah, exactly. The same as the temple, right? You go once and you uh. only get the surface meaning. You have to go your entire life. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing to understand there. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Mark 15:34 is, uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's on the cross saying, hey, <laughs> yo, Jesus here. Where'd you go? Hey, God, what the hell? I'm down here doing your work and you got me up on a cross? You uh, can part water, you can burn bushes, but you can't get me off a cross? little help here? Hurts? Pain? Why won't anybody stick their shard in me? So the Gnostics say uh, the meaning of this is clear to the spiritually enlightened. Um, the Christ has now left him. Because as a divine being, he couldn't suffer, so he had to leave Jesus and to allow him to, to suffer. What a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Jesus is up there. Christ is inside of him going, hell yeah. Oh, well, I got someplace to be. Time to go. Christ I mean, that's like, just fucked up. I, I don't like this. I'm out of here. This isn't tickling. I was so, looking for the slap and tickle cross. Some late variants, actually, of the uh, New Testament of Mark read, My God, my God, why have you mocked me? Remember, he's surrounded by thieves and, and people who are passing by and mocking him and wagging their heads. So, I don't know, maybe he's delirious or something and thinking God's mocking him as well. But, <laughs> you remember <laughs> the verse before this, he says... Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, you know, translated, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? These idiots who changed it to, my God, my God, why have you mocked me, left the Hebrew intact. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, uh, That's a little obvious. Uh, just a lack of uh, a lack of intelligence on that one. If you're going to change something, you might as well just change the entire thing. <laughs> right, exactly. you got to go through and find out what the Hebrew is for mocking. Uh, another one would be Hebrews uh, 2, verses 8 and 9. Um, and I'll read this whole thing to you, but it's really the last sentence that, that counts. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Now, a few, and some of the earliest manuscripts, have the variant reading, instead of, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone, it says, so that apart from God, he might taste death from everyone. Hmm. And again, uh, they would say, see, 
Christ departed from him. God departed from him so that he might taste death. God. That's one thing that pisses me off about religious people is is you give them a little bit of rope and they'll start hanging themselves as quick as they can. They'll just they'll just decide what it is and figure, okay, that's it, everybody follow this way. And they fight over the differing opinions on on all this just stupid mystery. Sure. Well, the, the question is which one of these was actually in the original manuscript, if there is such a thing. And there are two good arguments, I think, uh, for saying that it, the original reading was apart from God. Uh, one, Origen, who's writing again in the early 3rd century, so we're talking early 200s, uh, stated that apart from God was uh, in the majority of manuscripts in his day. So here we are 2,000 years later. Um, he's only 200 years after the supposed death of Christ, or 170. And the vast majority of the manuscripts in Origen's day read apart from God. Uh, secondly, scribes almost never change from an easy reading to a more difficult one. They're always trying to harmonize, they're always trying to make it simpler. So you can see why someone would change apart from God, because they're arguing, they don't like it, and they change it to by the grace of God. But you can't see why anyone would change it from by the grace of God to Jesus died apart from God. It doesn't make any sense. Well, unless you had some asshole scribe out there who just wanted to cause dissension. Right. So, once again, uh, the Christians don't uh, win the argument by the force of uh, logic and reason and, and good arguments. Uh, they read it by just lying. <laughs> Changing shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, once again, it comes down to this is our eternal souls. They're here to save uh God is a God of truth, but uh, to reach God and to save our souls, uh, they should do anything in their power, even lie to us. So, Yeah, they don't, the end justifies the means. You know, right, if you got some souls to save, what's a little lie between friends? We're all going to heaven. <laughs> well, some of us. That's all I got. Let's uh, now move on to Layton's Google slash Wikipedia research. Yeah, yeah, all i got to say is, wow, that's the shortest amount of talking you've done. I'm impressed. Let us open the bowels of Wikipedia and allow them to pour <laughs> forth. Bowels nothing. We're going straight up the rectum. That is part of the bowel. I realized that, but it was more fun <laughs> to say rectum. Okay. How often do you get to say rectum in a sentence? Gotcha. <laughs> all right, all right, anyway... Uh, so, as I kind of uh, just quickly mentioned last or last week during the last podcast, it really came down to the Council of Nicaea, where heresy just started uh, really being hammered down. And that was because before that, they had all these different doctrines floating around, all these different pamphlets. And, of course, they had to come through and they had to settle down on what was the one true doctrine, the one true canon that they should follow. So that happened in 325 A.D., and uh, in a surprisingly short amount of time, we're talking 65 years, they were actually able to convince Emperors Gratian, Valentian, and Theodosius Augusti that the church should actually share the power that the government has. Now, this above all else is the reason why church and state should be separated. Now, by having this Edict of Thessalonica signed, it meant that the church now had the authority to pronounce the death sentence. And uh, it, it's kind of a fascinating document to read. Now, the interesting part 
isn't the beginning where they're all slapping each other on the back and giving complimentary reach arounds. It's actually about the uh, about halfway through when it says, according to the apostolic teaching and the doctrine of the gospel, let us believe in the one deity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in equal majesty and in holy trinity. We authorize the followers of this law to assume the title of Catholic Christians. But as for the others, since in our judgment they are foolish madmen, we decree that they shall be branded with the ignominious name of heretics, and shall not presume to give to their conventicles the, the name of churches. They will suffer in the first place the chastisement of the divine condemnation, and in the second the punishment of our authority, which in accordance with the will of heaven we shall decide to inflict. I just want to know what a conventicle is. That sounds disgusting. It's a church. Oh. Fancy way of saying they, they can't get the names of churches. They they can't call themselves uh, Gnostics or whatever. They just don't get the names. The craziness just, just comes in this last sentence where they're pointing out that these people, who they've already deemed foolish madmen, that these people are going to get divine condemnation as their first punishment. And then, of course, it is the churches, the Catholic churches, these Catholic Christians, it is their right and their duty to punish them here on earth. I mean, that's right. just fucked up. There's not, it's not even internally consistent. If they're suffering divine punishment, then let God take care of it. Who are you to usurp God's power? He's the goddamn divine omnipotent ruler of the universe. Whatever he meets out, by definition, is just. Why would you then mete out more punishment? And see, and that's something I can't wrap my mind around. They're sitting here believing God is all-powerful, God is all-just, and he's going to punish them. And yet they are getting this power from these emperors to enforce God's hand here on earth. It, it makes absolutely God no sense. God doesn't need your help. Yeah, this is he double jeopardy right here. You're getting punished, and then when you get out, you get punished again. Yeah, they just want to make sure they're punished. <laughs> <laughs> just in case God's sleeping on the job. I got it. I got this one, God. Well, how long do you think it took them before they finally put that uh, you know punishment of death into order? I'm sure it was probably 3,000 years. It took them only five years to find their first heretic and kill him. And the interesting thing is, is the person they killed was the Bishop of Avila. This was Priscillian. And, and the most fascinating thing about it is the reason why they didn't like him was because he really concentrated on 1 Corinthians 6.19, where it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? And basically, he believed that man must make themselves a fit habitation for God, which means you give up marriage, you give up honor, and you practice asceticism. Now, the fascinating thing about this is it wasn't the fact that he was practicing this this very strict asceticism. The fact of it was that he converted bishops Instantius and Salvian to his cause. And because it was taking power away from the Catholic Church, all of a sudden they sat up, took notice, and started getting upset at him. Sure, there's nothing really wrong with the doctrine uh, of asceticism. Um, it's basically taking Jesus' command to love your neighbor literally, and yeah. give away stuff, live in kind of voluntary poverty, and 
uh, live an austere life. Um, the the problem they had is that they were losing numbers, basically. Yeah. And losing well, power and losing influence. And you know, uh, you can ha- have <clears throat> you can have doctrinal disagreements with people right up until you have a big stick. And once you have that big stick, it no longer becomes a civilized debate. They just go and club you over the head, and they've won. Yeah, much like Theodore Roosevelt, which is why we've still got that hole in the White House wall. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the fascinating thing is the Catholic Church's way of dealing with Priscillian. Now, what they did to fight against his little ascetic influence was by putting in place a bunch of rules. Now, the first rule was women weren't allowed to join men during prayer. So I, I don't know how that fits into an ascetic lifestyle, but okay. No one was allowed to fast That's, on Sunday. That one's just on general principle. <laughs> why, why are they uh, praying when they should be making sandwiches and having babies? Yeah. yeah, I mean, isn't their whole role to just lean back with their legs open while washing the dishes? That, le- <laughs> that is damn flexible. <laughs> Uh, for the man or the woman, it depends on which hole you're aiming for. <laughs> I'd be very careful if I was a man when they're washing dishes with their legs open. <laughs> you afraid of a little soap suds, Charlie? I'm just saying there, some shards can happen. <laughs> These aren't divine shards either. <laughs> ceramic shards. So what you're saying is be very careful not to piss her off while her yeah. legs are open and she's washing uh, right. dishes. Right. I would not attempt the bucking bronco while she's washing dishes. <laughs> What about the donkey punch? Would you try that? <laughs> you got to get yourself out of the way. But sure, go ahead. Uh, what were we talking about again? Uh, we, we... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I remember. We were talking about uh, what the Catholic Church banned because of Priscillian. All right. I, right, right. They couldn't women. pray. Let's, let's move. <laughs> they couldn't pray with men. Yeah, women weren't allowed to pray with men. No one could fast on Sunday. Um, You couldn't isolate yourself in your house during Lent. You couldn't take the Eucharist anywhere except in church. Uh, Those who were excommunicated, which is kind of funny, I like this one. Those who were excommunicated couldn't be sheltered by bishops. But if you were excommunicated, wouldn't that mean you were a heretic, and wouldn't that mean you'd be getting killed anyway? Yeah, after this uh, decree, definitely. Apparently there were still some kind-hearted bishops out there willing to... Uh, provide sanctuary for heretics, but God, uh, yeah. bastards. Yeah, standing in the way of God's justice. Yeah. God, you know, can't get into the church. Yeah, well, well, the next one, they really start just going crazy after this, as as if the other ones were logical in the first place. But you, uh, a cleric, can't become a monk in search of the more perfect life, and of course, this is to fight the ascetic lifestyle that Priscillian was teaching. And uh, the next one was. No one could call themselves doctor, which, of course, in Latin meant teacher. Now, that one I can't fathom, but this next one is... There's only one teacher. Of Lane. course. Jesus, God, fuck it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it still doesn't make any sense, but... All right. The last one is just absolute craziness. Women can't count themselves as virgins until they are 40 years old. Before that, they're just cheating. <laughs> you have to have patience. You're not quite a virgin yet. <laughs> so does the hymen grow back when they're 40? I mean... <laughs> That's bizarre. I guess there must have been some sort of uh, prestige associated with the title virgin, 
and they only wanted to reserve that prestige to women who had kind of uh, shriveled up and gone their whole life without. <laughs> so at course. 40, it was like, Granny's gone wild. Right. You're not you're not a virgin at 18 or 25 or even 30. If you if you make that marathon all the way to 40, you got it. You you have now bestowed the title virgin. And at that point, if you've gone that far, then by God, you are allowed to just go nuts and just open your legs while doing dishes to any man. Uh, is that what the title virgin <laughs> finally meant? <laughs> that's I think that's what it should receive as, as a gift. God damn. <laughs> I think you're confusing the term virgin with the term whore. I'm just pointing out there should be some sort of reward that comes with being a virgin for 40 years. And that reward has to do with washing dishes? <laughs> and opening your legs to a man. <laughs> well, you should get some money out of it. <laughs> no, that really is the term whore. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so so basically what happened is after the Catholic Church started coming down on Estantius, Priscillian, and Salvianus, uh, they decided, well, you know what, we don't think we're in the wrong, and we're, we want to talk about it. So they sent a delegation to Hydatius, but this delegation was just sent away. They didn't even want to hear what they had to say. So Priscillian and them... Uh, that was when they appointed him the Bishop of Avila, and they decided at this point, we need to go talk to Emperor Gratianus, the same dude who just wrote the Edict of Thessalonica. And so they decide, okay, we need to talk to him and let him decide if we are actually in the wrong. So they go to Rome to present their case, but uh, the Bishop of Myla, his name was Ambrose, and the Pope refused to let them in, refused to let them even speak to the emperor. Now, the funny thing is, these guys literally believed they were doing what God and the Catholic Church wanted them to do. And so the, the, Catholic... Pope, the Pope barred their entrance? Yeah. They yeah, must the... have had younger and buffer popes than we have today. <laughs> Pope Benedict is barring no entrance. Well, considering what happened to Emperor Gratianus, I'm, I'm sure they would have to be younger and stronger. Uh, so, I mean, while they're being rebuffed by the Pope and this uh, this Bishop of Myla, Emperor Gratianus is actually murdered. And Magnus Maximus takes his throne in 383 AD. And so... Which, by the way, is one of the coolest emperor names of all time. <laughs> God. What was the... Magnus Dickus? <laughs> Biggest Dickus. Biggest Dickus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I'm not going to get that out of my head for a while. All right, all right. Magnus, so, Magnus Dickus. Yeah, Bickus Dickus and Magnus Maximus. <laughs> <laughs> they got together in 384 AD, so a year after Magnus Maximus took the throne. Uh, they've been sitting around fighting to be heard, and finally in Bordeaux, a synod was gathered, and Instantius was actually granted an audience to this synod. But really, it turned out to be just really a deposition for them to question him and the, these uh, these Catholic Christians to really hound him and find a reason for them to kill everybody. Now, at this same time, Priscillian... I'm, I'm impressed that they even need a reason at this point. Well, it's only five years after the declaration has been signed. They're trying I mean, to find some sort of pretext to murder. 
Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, they don't need it later on, but right now they're at least pretending to try and find something lawful and truthful. Gotcha. So, <laughs> so Priscillian, at this same exact time, gets granted an audience with the emperor and tries to plead his case. And surprise, surprise, in 385, Priscillian and six of his companions are beheaded at Trier. Now, the fascinating thing is, is protests arise from Pope Syracus, Martin of Tours, and Ambrose of Milan. Now, why the hell would they sit there and protest a proper killing of these heretics? Because they were not allowed to kill them themselves. <laughs> Actually, you are exactly right. What, what they were claiming is that uh, Emperor Magnus Maximus killed them in a civil tribunal, whereas this was an ecclesiastical case. Therefore, they should have been involved and they should have killed him. And the funny thing is... It's essentially territorial pissings here. Yeah. That was yeah. my job to kill him. That's why I'm pissed off. <laughs> exactly. And the funny thing is, is what they wrote for the reason why they killed him, it had absolutely nothing to do with his beliefs. They actually were claiming that he was a magician. And so basically he was practicing the dark arts, so they killed him by that. They couldn't even find fault with his belief systems, despite the fact that they just made a bunch of rules to refute his teachings. So essentially, they just made shit up. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, I don't think religious people would do such a thing. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, All right. So they can't find anything against this little monk who's just been living a quiet little life. So they just make up a lie and kill him anyway. Pretty much. Sounds, you know, I'm pretty sure Christ preached that in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Christ preached that when you have this little old monk out there who becomes the pit bishop and he's actually trying to speak and plead his case and willing to change, yeah, let's just kill him because he's a magician. Those who have ears, let them hear. Just make shit up and kill people. Now get out of here. God will punish them from above, and you will punish them here. That's from it. beneath. <laughs> Excellent. All right, all right. So let's skip ahead a few years to the reign of Henry VIII. Second verse, same as the first. I'm Henry VIII, I am. Henry VIII, I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. Now, uh, this is a great little thing he did with Parliament over there in England. He created a new act, and the title of this act should entail exactly what the entire act is about. The title is an act for abolishing of diversity of opinion. Ah, I am for that. <laughs> <laughs> Far too many you... people out there have their own opinions. <laughs> we should put an act forward to abolish this. you imagine the nervous glances around that when they're voting on it? <laughs> uh, yes? Uh, I, I, I don't quite fathom what you're talking about, but <laughs> yes, I'm but... all for it. God, that title just gets me every time. An act for abolishing of diversity of opinion. Yes. Yeah, you're exactly right. Who's going to be diverse in their opinion voting on this act? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yes, I wholeheartedly agree with this act. Yeah, what a surprise. All right, so what this well, act... Based on what? All opinion or uh, 
just uh, is there a particular subject he wants to abolish diversity on? Basically, I guess too many religious people were thinking for themselves. So he yes. put down six rules that people had to follow, and if they didn't, they were punished for it. Excellent. All right. So, what, what are the rules? Yeah, the first rule in the sacrament was the real body and blood of Jesus Christ. So basically, that was Jesus up on there on the platter. Yep. <laughs> so P.C. Myers really uh, nailed Jesus's actual flesh. Yes, and I'm surprised blood didn't come gushing forward. Yeah, if you pierce Jesus's flesh, how come that cracker doesn't bleed? No, I'm curious. Did did PZ after pulling out the nail? Did he at least stick his finger in the hole to make sure that it was really Jesus? <laughs> he just threw it away. <laughs> all right, all right. So the second rule was that the body and blood of Jesus Christ was in the bread, and the blood and body of Jesus Christ was in the wine. So it's kind of just a reiteration of the first rule. Huh? I thought uh, his flesh was the bread. And the wine was the blood. Now you're telling me when I drink the wine, I'm actually drinking his flesh as well? That's disgusting. I'm well, drawing the line at that. <laughs> you're drawing the line. I think it has to be in, in his placement of words, because with the bread, it's the body and blood, and with the wine, it's the blood and body. So maybe it's with the wine, the blood is coming first, and then you get chunks of body as you're drinking it. And it's both. It's like having a nice separate place for your mashed potatoes and gravy and, and corn and then a... But then once they start all mixing, you just get all (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) You just take a big spoon and swirl it up in one big mashed up disgusting mess. Yeah, yeah. what are you, five? This is the whole reason why we have these rules in place. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, so two is a restatement of one. Got it. Yeah, all right. So the third one, priests are not allowed to marry. The fourth one, vows of chastity are of perpetual obligation. You can't just vow chastity this week and go uh, have yourself some fun next week. Ah, uh, he closed that loophole. Damn it! <laughs> All right, so um, private masses ought to be continued. I guess they were struggling about whether or not to just to do constant normal masses versus private masses. Dumb shit. And then, of course, the auricular confession to a priest must be maintained. So you must maintain your confessions to your priest. Now, what do you think punishment is for the first article were you to deny it? Instant death. Close. Death by fire. Okay. The second offense is just plain death, so I think that's that one's the instant death. <laughs> so, I don't know how you can break the second one without breaking the first one. So apparently you die, and then you die by fire. Uh, excuse me? This is the... Uh, <laughs> The act for abolishing the diversity of opinion. <laughs> we we know exactly what the first and second one means. Stop with your opinions. So what about the have different punishments for the third? Imprisonment. They would just throw <laughs> <in prison. laughs> So if you break the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, you are thrown in prison. So if you aren't going and confessing to your priest on a regular basis, they can throw your ass in jail. But I didn't do anything. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, we know you did something. We saw you spilling the seed of Onan. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So that's fantastic. So Henry VIII uh, cracking down on diversity. What yeah. a racist bastard. Yeah, somebody kick his ass and give him syphilis or something. All right, so next I wanted to cover the Spanish Inquisition, but just very briefly. 
Now, uh, the Inquisition in Spain actually started about 1478 and ended about 1808. So we're talking 330 years. Now, so the, the, overarching, the overarching theme of your research is really problems that occur when you join church and state. Exactly. The, right, so. the whole point of it is you can call somebody a heretic, but, uh, I mean, you and I, I'm sure, have been called heretics up the ass. But when it comes down to it, when you actually combine church and state, they have the power to do something about it. And you can really fuck some things up with this. Right. I mean, if you look back at history, on the one hand, I suppose you could say God oversaw all of this stuff and the, the um, correct doctrine ended up being Catholicism, right? So yeah. therefore, you know, God uh, pulled some levers, twisted some knobs, and made sure that the correct doctrine actually got into power. On the other hand, uh, you know, the correct doctrine, apparently, in quotes, also happened to flow forth from the most powerful, wealthy, and influential sections of the church. It seems clearly a, a historical accident that this this uh, doctrine became the orthodox doctrine of Christianity. Seems to me the Ebionites were closer to if Jesus ever existed to what he said. They were Judaizing Christians. They believed in a voluntary vow of poverty. They didn't think Jesus was divine. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like that that that's closer to the New Testament Jesus than uh, this Catholicism stuff with the transubstantiation and the three and one, one and three bullshit. Yeah, uh, but that got squashed. So making the argument in this instance that uh, the God oversaw the correct doctrine getting into orthodoxy is kind of like arguing that God always happens to be on the side of the armies that's bigger and more powerful and has better weapons. <laughs> God is useless. As in the in Babylonians when they captured the early uh, Judaic tribes, and then, of course, the Judaic tribes started stealing from the Babylonians into their religion. So, yeah, I agree with you entirely. So, basically, the point I wanted to get across is that church and state, uh, this is the problem we're running into even today. People are trying to put church and state back together. So, I mean, I was pointing out that the Spanish Inquisition only lasted for 330 years and they were killing roughly 980 people a year, just burning that up was, to the stake. It's a really long inquisition. What were they inquiring? <laughs> well, uh, just about anything. Uh, fathers, sons, daughters, everybody was actually required to turn in anybody they thought was a heretic. So if your neighbor pissed you off, you could always just say, hey, he's a heretic, and get his ass thrown in the Spanish Inquisition. But it was far more common to throw female asses into the Spanish Inquisition because the charge of witch was a lot easier to stick, I think. Yeah, yeah, probably so. You know, the fascinating thing is is uh, there's actually uh, about 17,000 records of people bur being burned in effigy. I'm assuming those are the people that actually got away, and so they just figured, well, let's just make this model of this person and burn them so Christ knows that, that we actually tried. Well, Jesus, we tried our best, so uh, we're going to burn this dummy instead. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you want to get off your ass and actually burn him for us, you know, right. go for it. But we're just going to burn this little effigy. You know, all the evidence points to Jesus not really giving two shits about heresy. He doesn't yeah. care. 
None of these oh. guys spontaneously combusted on their way out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Tail between the legs, running as fast as they could. Yeah, I, I didn't see anybody bursting into flames. I mean, what the fuck, God? You can burn a bush, you can't burn a person? God doesn't give a shit. <laughs> All right, so here's a bit of trivia for you. When was the last time somebody was killed as a heretic? Uh, that would be 2009 in Texas. 2009 in Texas? Yeah, last year in Texas. What the hell are you talking about? Didn't Texas burn a heretic at the stake last year? <laughs> well, I'm sure they would have kept it out of national news if they did, or Chuck <laughs> Norris was out there slapping down reporters or something. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. All right, I actually... The last time somebody was killed was Cayetano Repol in 1826. Now, the interesting thing is, is the Spanish Inquisition officially ended in 1808, and yet uh, Cayetano was killed in 1826 underneath the Spanish Inquisition. So it's it's kind of a funny little thing, almost like the LDS Church sitting there saying, "Yeah, we won't practice uh, multiple marriages," and still doing it. Well, you have an appeals process that carries on, and uh, clearly uh, uh, that 18-year appeal failed. <laughs> oh, did it now? Well, the the funny thing is, is the reason why he was killed. See, uh, Cayetano, he was a, a soldier, and he fought in the war against Napoleon as Napoleon was trying to invade. He was captured, and uh, as a French prisoner, he actually was exposed to some liberal ideas. Well, after all of that was done, he became a school teacher, and uh, he actually started teaching deism. And uh, the reason why this was so against uh, the Catholic beliefs is it's a claim that a belief in God should come through uh, reason and observation, not just blindly following the masses. And so, obviously, there's a, a huge, huge problem with that where the Catholic Church is concerned. Now, <laughs> right, they prefer blind obedience. Yeah. Yeah, so uh so basically the <laughs> the bishop down there decided that uh or excuse me, the archbishop of Valencia just decided, you know what? It's July 31st, 1826. Let's hang him. And uh after he's hung, let's chop the body down into a barrel painted with symbolic flames and uh let's throw the barrel into an incinerator. Uh, you know, it's never too early to start um, hellfire and, and brimstone and damnation. <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, the the best way to start it early is to paint the flames on the side of a barrel. <laughs> That's so it'll speed really fast into the incinerator. Oh, God. <laughs> what I mean, they, they probably put an aftermarket third-party spoiler on the top, too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is going to burn. <laughs> Some fuzzy dice. <laughs> so, I mean, this is why I wanted to talk about this. So, I mean, we, we talked about all the heresies, and, uh, of course, we, we talked about uh, the Christian persecution against the pagans, and this is kind of the Christian persecution against themselves. And I wanted to really cover it because this was a very short time ago. I mean, we're talking under 200 years ago that Cayetano was uh, killed. Because he thought that reason and observation were better than just plain faith. And so this is why it's so fucked up and why I get so pissed off when you hear all these jackasses out there saying, Oh, we need more church in state. We need prayer in schools. We need this. 
fuck you all is all I got to say. Total ignorance of history. The you know these guys who are saying we we need more church in our state, we need more religious authority. We the secular society is of the devil. Uh, it's an enemy to God. Blah blah blah. Are are people who do not understand either history or the nuances of disagreements between different Christian factions. I mean, even within a supposedly Christian nation such as the United States, there are over three thousand different sects of Christianity. So which one of those do you want uh, taught to your child? Yeah. Which one of those do you want as president? Yeah, which because prayer said in school do you want? The Southern Baptists hate Mormons' guts. <laughs> uh, you know, the Fred Phelps hates pretty much everybody. The Westboro Baptists. I think maybe we should just nuke the Baptists. Maybe that's a good solution. Uh, that would take out in all of Mississippi. <laughs> And that's a bad thing because... I can't quite figure it out. I'm just pointing out a fact. <laughs> I'd be willing to sacrifice Mississippi for the good of the nation. Well, if we're going to take out Mississippi, we have to take out Arkansas. Uh, <laughs> you're taking out Arkansas? Uh-huh. Well, well we if you're going to take out Arkansas, you might as well take out Kansas. Well, goddamn. If we're going to start there, why are we leaving Chuck Norris to run Texas? <laughs> uh, Texas has got to go. <laughs> well, that's because your belief is just to kind of kick it off into the ocean and let it float away. Adios, Texas. Back to Mexico. <laughs> all right, so that that's all I got for my research. What do you got? The... <laughs> <laughs> I did my research already. Really? Uh, that, that was so short. I'm used to you completely babbling and taking over. I did last week. That's what I did last week. Oh, that's a good point. And yet you still infringed on my week. That's fucked up, dude. You see? I babbled so much that I got like 15 minutes out of your week, too. Well, 12 and a half, but no one's counting. Man, you really are sensitive to that, aren't you? No, no, I was actually just looking at the recording part, <laughs> and I could see where you stopped talking. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's um, kind of a brief podcast. Why did it take us so long to get this together? Uh, I would guess because of your syphilis problem. Yeah, it's, it is difficult to do a podcast uh, when you have to constantly keep changing your underwear because of the discharge. <laughs> Very uncomfortable. Yes, now that uh, we've completed this and Charlie hasn't hogged the uh, speaker this entire time, I would like to say with fondest regards, uh, you can all kiss my ass. And that'll just about do it. What do we got coming in next week? I haven't the foggiest clue. Do we ever know? I don't know. Maybe a guest speaker again. <laughs> you heard that right. Fuck you! Yeah, so so you're telling me that uh, you're already feeling lazy and we're just barely getting this one out? Yes. Okay. I'm okay with that. Bye. Bye. I'm Henry VIII, I am. Henry VIII, I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before. And everyone was an Henry. She wouldn't have a Willie or a Sam. No, Sam. I'm a eighth old man, I'm Henry. Henry VIII, I am.